Well, it's been a really big week, and uh, a great week, though. Last Sunday night, we kicked off Alpha, and it, was, it went really well, and uh, it was our launch night, and uh, I, was, I was really pleased to see um, the people that were there. But I just want to let you know that um, the first real session of Alpha begins this, uh, tonight, Sunday, today's Sunday, right? So tonight, actually, at five o'clock. And so I just want to let you know, it is not too late. If you've got someone who you've been talking to that you still want to invite, you can still do that. You just let me know today, here after the service, or give me a call or something like that so that we can arrange a, uh, a seat at a table f for you and uh, let Lenore know that there might be another person to feed. Um, but it's not too late. So I just want to let you know that. Uh, and then this Wednesday night is our first prayer service of 2019. I'm excited. Yeah. Everyone that clapped and said, who's going to be here? <laughs> Just joking. Um, but we would love you to be here. And we're doing a month of prayer and fasting. I did talk about that last week as well. And so uh, here's how it works. If you missed last Sunday, here's how it works. On Tuesday night, you eat your dinner and then you fast for 24 hours to Wednesday night after the prayer service. Okay, we meet here at 6.30 and we're going to pray together and we're going to call on the name of the Lord and, um, and hear from him. And uh, I believe wholeheartedly that God has great plans for us this year. By the way, if you missed last week's message, it was on fasting, and right away, if you weren't here, you're thinking, well, I won't bother with that one, but it was, if I don't say so, it was a good message, right? Yes. And the reason I'm saying that is because so many, many of you said that to me. A couple of people said, I, I did actually try fasting for the first time, and my prayers were different. So I encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, It'll be, it's available online now, yeah? Today, okay. <laughs> Has to be now. <laughs> and, uh, and join us if you can. We're spending a whole month on vision. That's why things look a little bit special on stage today. Thank you to all the creative team. I love how you uh, use your creative gifts to um, enhance the church and to, and, and to worship God. Vision is important. It inspires us. It gives us hope. Vision gives us something that we can rally around together, doesn't it? It's a goal. It's something that we're all heading to together. But as important as vision is, I'm also really interested in mission. Because while vision is looking forward to where we're going, and that's important to do, mission is what God is calling us to do and be. And doing God's will and what we believe he wants us to do for him on the north side of Brisbane here. That's what we're about here at Hills Church. See, I think if we understand our mission first, then we understand the vision of where we will be. And that's our focus for this whole month. As I've already said, we're fasting and praying. We're calling out to God to move powerfully in our lives and at this church and in other churches around us. And on Sunday... Sundays, we're going to be bringing some clarity to the task at hand. I hope we're going to be bringing clarity. Anyway, that's my job. I've called this series Great and Awesome. Not because we are great and awesome or because Hills Church is great and awesome, but because our God is great and awesome. Those are the words that the Old Testament Jewish leader Nehemiah used to describe the God he served the same everlasting God 
that we here today in 2019 are praising and serving the same God that Nehemiah served then, the same everlasting, true, one true God. Nehemiah said several things in his writings, or several times, that God is great and awesome. If you ever read uh, Nehemiah, you'll see it in there. You are a great and awesome God. Even though he wrote it from exile. I want us to think about today because sometimes I don't think we realize just how great and just how awesome our God is that we follow. You know, he, his love for you, church, is greater than you think it is. And his love for the people around us is greater than we think it is. I guarantee you he is greater and he is more awesome than we can comprehend. Now, in case you don't know the backstory for Nehemiah, I'm going to give you a real short version. So the Israelite uh, nation, it was a long way from its glory days. You know, under David and Solomon and things back then, they were awesome and, they, and they, things had gone wrong. Sadly, they, they were a long way from those days as their, uh, their glory and prosperity faded as their devotion to God faded. Eventually, they would split into two nations. We would have Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And despite warning after warning from God to both those groups and those nations, from him and from his prophets, they continued to really reject God more and more. And there are many descriptions that you will find all the way through the prophets if you read them in the Old Testament about what they were doing wrong against God. So despite God's warnings, they continued to reject God and eventually both nations were invaded by other foreign nations and most of them led away into exile. This is the pattern of the Israelites and it's often the pattern of us. Those from uh, Judah's capital, which was Jerusalem, were sent to Babylonia where they lived for many years. Now eventually the king of Babylonia, they, they let, he let a group return. A group of Jews could go back and try to establish something back in the in the old place again in, in Jerusalem. And that brings us to this point in the story when Nehemiah, who happens to be the king's cupbearer, by the way, that was his job at this time. Not sure uh, exactly what that involved, but it seems he held the cup for the king. <laughs> but I think they had to also drink a little because back then it wasn't safe to be the king. <laughs> People didn't want you to be there. His brother came, Nehemiah's brother came to Babylonia and he brought a report back about what was going on in Jerusalem, and it wasn't a good report. Things weren't going well at all. And, quote, and to, to sum it all up, is, uh, Jerusalem still lay in ruins. And this broke his heart. So here we are at Nehemiah 1, and start of verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. And in fact, for days I mourned. I read some of this last week, I know. I mourned, I fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. 
Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, this is God speaking, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Now, we will continue some more of this story next Sunday, but I wanted to stop here today and have a look at this for a moment. Because we, here we have this great nation of Israel at its lowest point, really. These were God's chosen people, his special ones, the ones he had made a covenant with. And they were going to show the world who God was and demonstrate his love for them. And yet here they are, they're scattered around the world, they're divided. The pride of their nation is Jerusalem and it literally lies in ruins. The law of Moses is no longer followed. There's no temple to worship in. It just doesn't get any, worship, uh, any worse for them. Except in this one moment, just one man out of maybe millions cried out to God in prayer. He fasted for days. And he called on God to restore the covenant that he had with his people. And God says yes. So why, after all these years, does this prayer from this man get answered? Well, now, go back 500 years, even earlier. From that point in time, King Solomon has just finished the temple and Israel is at its most successful time. And God says to Solomon, here's something you need to know about. There will be times when things aren't going so well between us. And when this happens, this is what God says in 2 Chronicles 7. Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and restore their land. There's the answer to why God responded to Nehemiah. Church, these three things are the foundation for the church to remain close to God within his will and favor. Humble yourself. Pray and seek his face. Turn from sin. Humble yourself. Pray and seek his face. Turn from sin. I feel like we should say this together. You ready? Humble yourself. Pray and seek his face. Turn from sin. Humble submission. Definitely not pride and arrogance is the key. And always the key. And we know when we've seen things go wrong in churches, those three things often go missing. So for Nehemiah, it started with humble submission to God. See, it wasn't about Nehemiah. It was about God and God's will first. In other words, it's about obeying and glorifying God, that's, and that's for us 
two. You know, I, I love this church. I've been here a long time, by the way. I've been part of this family for almost as far as my memory goes back. And in my opinion, these are good times for Hills Church. And I just want you to know, I believe with all my heart that God is doing a new thing here at Hills. I'm allowed to say it because I've seen it for a long time. Hills Church has had some great times in its history, but you should know, I really do believe the best is yet to come. This is an exciting season for us. It's not exciting because for some reason we think we're awesome or that we're a better church than, or more special church than others. It's an exciting season because God is great and awesome and he promised to build the church if we humble ourselves and seek his face. And I'm seeing that more and more. So what is the mission of Hills Church? What is it that we are called to do? Now, I'm hoping that most of you can answer that question because I've had colored banners sitting on the stage for nearly three years now, or two years now, actually. So if I was to say do a random survey right now, I'm pretty sure we would hear what those four mission statements are. You can relax because I'm going to put them on the screen for you now. Here they come. Our four mission statements. Do you remember these? By the way, guys, that looks awesome. <laughs> First and foremost, we exist to glorify God in all that we think, all that we say, and all that we do. That's number one. Number two, we are about embracing all people, just like Jesus did, including those people that are hard to love. That's a mission statement of this church and it can't just be words on a, on a really nice looking screen. That has to be us. We embrace people like Jesus did. That'll be next week's message. Third, we're going to be dedicated to planting seeds of the gospel. And I mean dedicated. I don't mean it's just something the pastor says and that he puts fancy banners on stage. I mean that we as a church gather around this mission and we believe wholeheartedly that Jesus tells us that we have to go into all the world and plant, well, he says make disciples. We're going to be planting seeds so that we can make disciples. And everyone here has a job, including me. We're going to be dedicated to planting seeds of the gospel. It'll be our DNA. It'll be like people's eternity relies on it, because it does. And fourth, we're passionate about making passionate disciples who are fully devoted to Jesus. That's an important role for us. It's a mission of the church. Let me say it again. We exist to glorify God in all that we think, say, and do. Number two, we're about embracing all people, just like Jesus did. Number three, we are dedicated to planting seeds of the gospel. That'll be the third message of the month. And number four, we're passionate about making passionate disciples for Jesus. That'll be the last message in February. The first one that we're focusing on today is that we exist to glorify God and we do it first and foremost. We start with that before all those other ones because it establishes why we do those other ones and when we do those other ones, they all actually point back to glorifying God. You know, it works in both directions, actually. 
Church, I want us to be so in tune with God and his mission that who we are and what we do brings glory to God and God alone. It doesn't bring glory to Hills Church or to uh, Pastor Nathan or Pastor Steve or anything like that. It brings glory to God and everybody can see it. Jesus said, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That word true just, it catches me a little bit. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And that brings glory to my Father. If we just think corporately for a moment on this, it's the fruit of the church, you know, the, the outcomes, that brings glory to God. When we share the gospel and a lost life commits to Jesus, that's fruit. When, we, when addictions are overcome, there's fruit. When anger is defeated in your life, and it's replaced with compassion, that's fruit. When you truly love someone that is hard to love, that's fruit. When those in need are given help and assistance, that's fruit. When racial divides are overcome, that's fruit. You know, there's so many divides in our world at the moment. Jesus is the answer. When relationships are restored and there's nothing between any of us and grace and forgiveness flows, that's fruit. When selfishness transforms into generosity, you know, when we hold on to less and we give more, that's fruit. When the Holy Spirit fills us, that's fruit. When someone is healed, when a personal couple responds to the call to ministry, when we gather to pray, when we worship with our eyes fixed on Jesus, when grace flows, when forgiveness abounds, when joy overcomes sorrow, when peacemakers step in, when arrogance is replaced with humility, when the least of our neighbor, in our neighborhood are cared for, and when compassion is the standard, and when people are baptized and they confess their faith before the world, and when repentance turns a life around, when marriages are restored and take on a new life, when pride is confessed, when we repent and surrender our life, when a life is made new in Jesus, that's fruit according to Jesus, all the wonderful, beautiful, life-giving fruit brings glory to God. This is what we're about. Fruit in my life, you know, God's fruit from the Holy Spirit, fruit in your life, fruit in a, in a new life, new fruit in the life of thousands of people that surround us in North Brisbane. There's your vision right there. Thousands of lives made new in Jesus for God's glory. Not a church building, which, is, which, which are awesome, and I'm even going to be talking about that today, but rather a, a spiritual hospital that heals us, you know, spiritually, emotionally, and yes, physically. I was going to say, I even wrote down there, a Holy, uh, a holy Spirit hospital, but that exists already up the road. But <laughs> they got the name. 
<laughs> but we will have the reality of it. <laughs> In John 17, Jesus prays a long prayer that is powerful and deep. And I'm going to be actually focusing on it when we come up to um, Easter. But it's a prayer for us here today. In verse 4, we, we read this line from Jesus as he's talking to his Father. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. It's the same for us, church. His purpose was to bring glory to the Father, and so is ours. We will never, God, please forbid this, we will never do anything for our own glory. We follow the example of Jesus. We do it for God. And his example was to give his life as a living sacrifice, and so should we. It's a great quote from says on my screen here, Charles R. Swindoll. You know him as Chuck Swindoll, right? He said, if your life is an example of glorifying God, others won't see your good works and glorify you because they'll know what you're doing is for God's glory. When people encounter Hills Church, they encounter Jesus. That's what we want. They don't encounter Nathan Bell. They encounter Jesus. So let the fruit be in abundance. And when it's not, what do we do? We go back to Nehemiah. We confess our sin and we humble ourselves before God. We cry out to our great and awesome God. We seek his face. We get back on track for God's glory and not for ours. We're going to read more of Nehemiah over the coming weeks. With God's help and leadership, he goes on to do great and awesome things in God's name. And he helps to literally rebuild Jerusalem and the temple and to restore the covenant relationship that God has with them. It was never Nehemiah's vision. It was God's vision given to him. But it would never have got underway without humble confession and prayer and fasting before God. I'm going to invite you once again to be part of that over this coming month. As we get close to wrapping up today, I want to just um, shift gears a little. If, if you can shift gears a little, I'm not sure how that works. But maybe we put it in neutral. How's that? Over the last three years, it's been really exciting to be part of this church. We've seen a lot of young families call this church home and join this family. I love it. Who agrees? That's good. Well, last year we ran into a small problem. Actually, it was a bigger problem. <laughs> Started to run out of space for our kids. And um, the cubby, which is really just a demandable, <laughs> filled up and we had to open up some space in the office and all that sort of stuff. It was a good problem to have. But the, um, the elders did what they're meant to do and they started praying and discussing what we're going to do. More kids are going to come is what we believe. And how are we going to accommodate them was the question. How can we uh, ensure that our kids are being discipled really well, which, which happens out there, by the way. The team does an awesome job. But we wanted to make sure we weren't just squashing them into little spots around the property. We wanted to have something for the next generation of kids to come after, and, and even for their kids. You know, something for our kids' kids. We started on that journey with some very basic ideas, but we really felt like 
This was the time for us to be stewards of this property. This is God's property, and we are stewards of it. And we have to take that responsibility seriously. So we established a building committee to look into that. That team, they met with some ministry leaders. It was a lot of fun. They kind of looked at, you know, what, what would buildings look like to serve our ministries really well? Can you picture doing that? That's a lot of fun to do. But we also wanted to look to the future and not just what we needed right now. They felt strongly that we should look at the complete picture of our property from the very top of Queens Road all the way down here to Bennett's Road. We've got a very odd-shaped property here. It's like a big boot. But it actually borders two roads. And they recommended to the board that we consider a master plan, something that would look at everything, something for the next five to ten years. The board wholeheartedly agreed, and we believed God did too, because at the same time, through a contact that Eric Hall had, uh, we made contact with two very qualified Christian architects who had recently left a large architectural firm in Brisbane to start their own smaller firm. And these guys are awesome. We've got to know them so well, and um, we love them already. They love this church. You may have already met them. They've been here a couple of times just to see what goes on here. They've even been to a prayer meeting or two. And this couple, their name is Casey and Rebecca. And um, Casey just so happens to have gone back, gone to Bible college to do some theological studies. But part of his thesis is actually about church building design and community engagement. What a perfect fit for us. Especially when, you, when we get into some more in the following weeks about, about our mission and, and how, we, how we meet the needs in our community. It was a perfect fit. And so for the last five or six months, we've been working with this couple on a master plan that we think is visionary, practical, and appropriate to our church community in the neighborhood that we want to reach. I'm hoping to have the architects here, by the way, on week three. I'm going to get them up here so that you can meet them and just hear a little bit of their heart. They have a big heart for the community, and they have a big heart for the church that serves the community. And we are receiving the blessing of that. Just so you know, surveyors have already been out and they've surveyed this property. And as we, uh, as we meet today, there's a quantity surveyor who's already involved working on, um, on costs and, and things like that. Now, I want to emphasize something to you before I show you anything today. We are still at the master plan stage. This is a vision for the next five to ten years. My prayer as a pastor is that it'd be a lot less than that. I believe it's appropriate for our size and our future and our mission. There is a lot of work still to be done on detail. There's going to be feedback to be had from all of you and from the leaders. And of course, changes to be made to accommodate where we're going forward once we determine what's an appropriate budget. But we felt it appropriate to not start with something basic that was within easy reach, only to be replaced in a few years' time but to start with a bold vision that would include everything that would meet the needs of the ministry for decades to come. And then, if need be, we can work back from there. I love something that Shelley said to me the other day when I was talking to her about it. And she said, you know, the generation before us, they, uh, they had a vision as well, and they invested in it, and we are benefiting from it still today. And some of you are here still. Thank you. And so it's up for... It's now the next generation, although we're all in this together, 
to be thinking about what's behind us or what's after us, the generations after us, and what we will leave for them as well. We envisage that this master plan would pro probably be done in three stages, but the first stage would certainly be significant. So today I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. Who's glad? Yeah. <laughs> Good. If you stick with us each Sunday in February, I'm going to show you lots more. So there's a little carrot for you, okay? <laughs> to be here every Sunday. Don't forget, we're going to invite you to be part of the planning as well. So, what we think will be stage one is a new building for our kids and our youth that we're going to call Next Gen. We started off thinking about a little box over that side and it turned into something much better on this side of the auditorium. We can have a quick look at this view that the architect's done for us. We're calling it Next Gen because obviously it's going to have a focus for the next generation, but it'll be used for much, much more. One of the struggles that we've often had here is that we have one large church, which is awesome. It's difficult to do lots of things in this one large space. This next building gives us two halls inside of it of up to 100 people that can also be combined to make a hall of 200. And can you just picture the, the kids going in there to start off their Sunday morning, they're going to be praising God and, and, and learning in one section and they're going to have some fun activities in the next section and there'll be a wall that can open up and close, hopefully. In this building, there's also going to be four or five breakout rooms or classrooms and that'll be a secure area for our kids as well, which is something better than what we have now. It'll have a dedicated kids' check-in counter. Now, this stage also includes a new foyer to connect both this building and the next building kind of always dreamed of having a foyer, you know? <laughs> you can step outside and not be hit with the weather. <laughs> but there's a, there's a, it's like a transition building, I guess you'd say. We'd walk in, you'd walk up the path in where it says um, Hills Church at the back there, and you'll turn right to come into this building here, and you'll turn left to go into the next-gen facility. Right about now, some of you are looking at that picture going, I can't really work it out. Come next week and I'll make it clearer, okay? Oh, good. You're doing it on the inside. This will also include a new amenities block, a new kitchen, yep, that will serve inside and outside, and there'll be a new drop-off zone and a covered plaza-type area and some new landscaping and things like that. That's the very slim or, or fast version of stage one. And I'll give you more detail, as I said, as we go. If you want to ask me more questions, of course you're welcome to, after the service. Building two is what we're currently calling Hills Plaza. It might have another name, I don't know. Let's show it. This building replaces the two existing buildings up on Queen's Road. This small chapel, we're hoping to keep and relocate on our property because it has significance to our area. It's not heritage listed, but it's significant to people around here. We have to re relocate it and renovate it. 
Hills Plaza will be a unique and important building for our mission. It will be used to connect with our neighbourhood and beyond. It will be used to serve with justice and mercy. It will probably, hopefully, have a six-day-a-week cafe. Don't panic for those of you who serve in the area already. <laughs> and retain our existing op-shop ministry with, with a much nicer facility. On top of that, there are spaces for things that we do to serve our community, and it gives us an opportunity to do even more. And again, that will be next week, so come along and hear that. It will also have spaces that we think we can lease out to help fund some of our costs. So that this project is not beyond our reach, which it could be. It will link people to the buildings down here with a new walkway from down our driveway, which will also continue all the way down to Bennett's Road. And our long-term plan is to actually take down that big fence on Bennett's Road and open it up to that part of our community. Yeah. Yeah. The council has already said, please do that. Yeah, and I see all the people who live near there smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> because Lenore doesn't want to jump the fence anymore. <laughs> but we also are going to have a stage three that will include some landscaping and park development for the community to come in and use it if they want to. And they'll be able to access, of course, the cafe and other things at the top. Next week, more images on that one as well. Whatever you do, don't miss it. Those things are exciting. But let me finish with this. You can take the, the picture off, thanks, Johnny. Let me finish with this. To see the fruit that brings glory to God is a very essential ingredient that every believer must have. Here's where it starts. A deep love for Jesus. A deep love for Jesus. Loving God is the highest priority of all creation. Without love for God, there will be no fruit, and we won't be able to bring the glory to God that we want to do. The mission of the church is lost. Loving God above all else is a command given by Moses in Deuteronomy and then repeated by Jesus in the Gospels. You know this. You've heard it a hundred times. Please, Look at it with fresh eyes and let it sink into your heart this morning from Mark 12. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor so love everyone else as yourself, and no other command is greater than this. This is the central command of Jesus. Therefore, it's the heart of the church. Love for God is the heart of every believer. Love God first is the heart of Hills Church. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. What has... The the love of your heart today? What makes your heart beat faster? What are the things you spend your time thinking about and longing for? Is it Jesus? In all honesty, do you love Jesus more than those other things in your life? If your answer is no, I, I understand. No condemnation from me. But you have to understand something. You have a God 
a loving God who has done all he can do. He created you for that loving relationship. He wanted us. He made us because he wanted to love us and he wanted us to love him in return. And he laid out that path to make it happen. He removed the obstacles that we put in place and has promised an eternal life, an eternal love relationship with him. I know some of you want to love Jesus more than you do. I do. But for whatever reason, sometimes the desire to love can, get, can become elusive. Distractions, love of other things, whatever it is. Have you ever met someone who loves God like Jesus said there? Can you think of someone... If you're like me, when you think of that person who just loves Jesus above all else, deep inside we long for it. I wish I could have what they had. That kind of love relationship with Jesus is available to everyone. We start with humble confession. And the pride is stripped away. Boy, that's hard to do. We come before God as an empty vessel. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We're willing to be a completely new creation made new. When we love God with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, and when that is evident in our words and our thoughts and our actions, we bring glory to God. God will do great and awesome things. Today I invite you to love God. It's as simple as that. I invite you to love God. You might say, yeah, I'm already a believer. I know. I mean love him like Jesus said we should. Like he loved us. I invite you to do it. And if for some reason you don't have the desire to love God like that today, I will pray for you that he will give you the desire because I believe he will. When we close off today and the prayer team's here, why don't you boldly approach one of them and say, I want to love God more, I want that desire. And we'll ask the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is powerful and that's his role is to connect us to Jesus and we can ask him to do that. If you're here today and, um, you know, receiving Jesus to be Lord of your life is something you've never done, then that's my invitation to you as well. Today, humble yourself. Repent, which is just a fancy, fancy word for saying, I turn away from the old and go to the new with Jesus. Receive him in your life and follow him. It's my two invitations today. I actually think that everyone here could answer one of those two invitations. So we're going to pray together. I invite you to stand with me.
We're just going to pause for a moment, church. I invite you to um, just not be distracted by anything for a second. Uh, eyes closed is the best method. And focus on Jesus. So Lord, we, this is your church. This morning we give you the glory. But God, I know that it's our fruit, it's our love for you that really does glorify you more than anything. And I pray, Lord, that we would be that church. So Holy Spirit, come now. I pray you move through this auditorium, through our hearts. Help us to be humble before you now, God. Lord, if there's someone here this morning and they need to deal with something in their life that's not of your liking, of your will, we can call it sin. I pray, God, that you, uh, right now, that you deal with that in their hearts, bring conviction in their hearts, and that forgiveness will flow and grace will flow, Lord Jesus, as we restore ourselves to you. And Lord, we hear your call this morning to love you with everything. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. So, church, just while your eyes are closed, why don't you make a commitment today before the Lord? I'm just going to say, with every eye closed, if this morning you want to give your life to Jesus and you've never done that before and you want to say, I want to receive Jesus in my life, in my heart, and I'm going to follow him. Today I'm going to call myself a Jesus follower, a Christian. I invite you to raise your hand. Is there anyone here this morning? can check one more time. Is there anyone here this morning? This morning, if you want to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, and you want God to give you that desire, raise your hand. I see your hands all the way across. So come Holy Spirit and, and fill us with your love. Your love is amazing. Your love is great. Your love is awesome. It's more than we can comprehend. And this morning, God, we receive it in faith. We receive it in faith, God. I pray it changes us as we live here today. We will be the follower that you want us to be. Pour out your spirit, Lord Jesus, we pray.